This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Uh, well, I'm so glad that we could finally connect for a time. Oh today, my TPQ20. gosh. I'm so sorry. That's all right. I, you know, we we both. I think we've both had a couple like like missed dates at this point. So yeah. this is awesome. I'm glad to finally get to talk with you. Sure. Uh, I yeah, I absolutely appreciate your work and have always. Uh, so let's uh, let's dive right in. We always yeah. like to start off uh, TPQ20 by saying um, we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. Okay. So if you were to give the bio that you know we won't find on the back of a book or on your website, who would you say you are? Oh man, um, <laughs> you know we'll start with a softball. Easy questions and, only. You know, just summarize yourself <laughs> as a person. <laughs> Um, I am a, uh, a fat femme, uh, living in the Midwest. Uh, I don't know, I'm a Scorpio. I'm vengeful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think my work often reflects that. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Yeah, we, we, we can start there. I'm sure I'll dig more out of you later. So, so here we go. Um, so the first the first video, at least I can find of you uh, mm -hmm. is is the uh, the 10 honest thoughts video. Mm -hmm. um, who are you now from where you were then as far as are you the po more, more important? I guess the question will be, are you the poet you thought you would be 10 years removed from that that piece? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where did I'm, you where did you I mean, expect, where did you expect it to go in two thousand you know two thousand twelve? What oh, do you, you know? Where did you expect poetry? What did you expect poetry to even be? For you? I had no idea. I truly thought it would just be years and years of trying to get published. Um, <laughs> I really I when I wrote that poem, I really never thought about it being seen by more than the slam community. Right. Um, I never thought I would have ended up in half the places I have, the festivals, the colleges, like it's mind blowing. Um, yeah. so that part alone. And then there's the aspect that like, I don't even date men anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, so all, the, all the boys listening to 10 honest thoughts. You know, yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. Uh, right if there. you're like a boy with an I like B O I we can talk, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't date cis dudes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think so really it's not really, even who are you as a poet anymore. It's, it's, you are a, a different a person. person. Oh yeah. I yeah. better be a different person in 10 years. Jesus, yeah. if I was the same, that would be the most <laughs> disappointing in the world. But yeah, the changes that have happened are like, 
yeah, I definitely didn't see that coming. Ah, well, <laughs> so for you then, who was, you know, who were those early like catalyst poets for you when you were like a little kid and you maybe first kind of thought that maybe there was this thing where you could put words together and it kind of sounded cool. Were, you know, were you someone who was being read certain pieces? Were you finding books where you, you just thought these sound really cool together? Who were those like early introductions for you when it came to poetry? Um, so I learned how to read on an old copy of A Light in the Attic, funnily oh, enough. I love um, <laughs> Shel Silverstein um, was big in my house and they were these, his books were some of the only hardcover books we had. I feel like I don't, I feel like I've never seen them in paperback at this point. Like, yeah, probably not. Because <laughs> we all, we, I'm sure people, you know, of our similar generation, like we all have copies of that tattered somewhere in our shelves. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I liked to play school and I liked to use the hardcover books. And then eventually I started learning to read on, on Light in the Attic. Um, and like, I just, you know, I don't think at that point I was just like, oh, I'm going to be a poet. I didn't think about being a poet until well into my 20s. Um, but poetry had always sort of been around. Um, so there was that book. There's a book of po poetry by Eloise Greenfield hmm. called Honey, I Love. Okay. Um, and that was one of my absolute favorite books. I would check it out all the time from the elementary school library. Um. Yeah, I think I just liked the rhythm in it, um, mm. but I didn't have the language for that yet. I was just like, right. I like this. This holds my attention. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. See, and that's, that's, I think at that age, that's the goal of the, how, how can we hold somebody, well, it's the goal of any age, how can we hold people's attention for <laughs> right. you know, more than, for more than a few words before they like squirrel and, and moving on to the next one. I mean, I was a, I was a pretty voracious reader, but I was reading a lot of fiction mm -hmm. and there wasn't a lot of like, you know, rhythm and movement right? Uh, the way there is in poetry. Um, so Cause my stepfather was a librarian. So there were just Oh, cool. Ridiculous books, just different amounts of books all over. I love that. My dad, my dad's always been a book collector, but, but of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Um, so we had one type of book uh, there, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I jumped into books pretty early on, but yeah, I don't, I didn't, it, it took a long time other than like a light in the attic and some of the early nursery rhyme type things it took a long time for me to, to find my way to, to what I think, you know, was more poetry. What I understood was poetry. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, in elementary school, they introduced us to Maya Angelou. Um, you had a fantastic elementary school teacher. <laughs> I mean, I went to an incredible <laughs> elementary school full of brilliant. As a, as a middle school teacher, I can say. Wanted I, us to know. Yeah. That's amazing. I teach middle school. I can't, I don't know. I don't know many, uh, many middle school teachers who are, you know, we're starting kids off with, you know, with large voices that. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was very fortunate. I went to an elementary school that was um, primarily staffed and run by just these incredibly dynamic Black women. Um, and so they just, uh, they set us all up really well. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, really yeah. cool. They brought in a lot of really cool stuff art-wise. Um, like I knew who Basquiat was. I knew 
all sorts of stuff that I was just like, wait, people don't know this. Man. <laughs> um, Black History Month was a time at my school. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, when do you finally, when do you finally put pen to paper? And is it fiction or is it poetry first for you? It's poetry first. Okay. Um, I mean, I was just angsty in high school. Uh, I had been reading a lot of Sylvia Plath. You were, you were <laughs> angsty in high school. Huh. I was so angsty. <laughs> <laughs> I was the angstiest. Um, yeah. And I was writing like, you know, secret angsty teenager poems, but it never crossed my mind that I would write as part of my living. Yeah, it is. It's crazy to think like I, I talked to a lot of poets on here about those those early like, you know, I talked to a lot of the the 20 to 30 year old poets, you know, it's the Tumblr poets. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, before that, it's poetry.com before they you know, poetry <laughs> daily took over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so were you somebody who was hopping on a on a website or were you no. uh, strictly journals? Oh, I was strictly journals. Strictly. Do you have them still? No, <laughs> no, I got rid of those a long time ago. <laughs> I figured if I left them at home, my mom might blackmail me with them. Ooh. Um, and I didn't want to schlep them around, so I got rid of them. <laughs> uh, it wasn't anything good. <laughs> so when it comes to timelines, because timelines are always fun because some people take six months to write a book. You know, you, the pandemic was such a, a a huge writing period for so many people because we had mm -hmm. literally nothing else going on. Sure. So, you know, but for you, like when we look at Revenge Body. Yeah. Um, when was poem one written versus when was your final edit sent in? When did you feel that the, when did you feel that you were, that that book had been completed? I mean, poem one was written before Nothing Is Okay came out. Oh, wow. Um, so like I finish one collection and then the next set of poems is usually feeling out what the next collection will feel like. Mm. Um, I like that way of putting it, that you're feeling out what the next the collection is going to be like. I think that's a good way to look at that. And I mean, it also changes. It evolves like um, Revenge Body was supposed to end a lot softer than it did. <laughs> But some shit happened and I was like just let it rage let it <laughs> uh let's just let the book be angry it's fine soft, la soft landings are are only necessary once in a while it is, it is right. okay to, you, know, you gotta speak loudly yeah when I started it I was in a very different place uh and yeah. then when I finished it I I turned in my final edits I'm trying to think about time time is so screwy for me um Sorry, it's great for everybody these last few years. <laughs> I think it was like June, June of 2021. So really just a handful of months before, before finish date. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. that's, do you, and, and given that that's a fairly long span, mm -hmm. do you feel that you were, you know, from poem one was by the time you were kind of done with things and had, had the manuscript kind of ready do you mm -hmm. feel that your voice had shifted at all or did it kind of all stay true to the same you know to that same person or poet you were was the you know the narrator you are do you feel that it that it held up the entire time 
I do. I think I later added some newer poems that sort of rounded it out a little mm. more. Um, because I started taking a workshop with John Sands and was writing again after sort of, I mean, I didn't spend much of those quarantine and whatnot writing. I was right. in a rough place. I was um, getting out of an abusive relationship. Um, so I would, there wasn't a lot of writing going on initially. Um, and then after life, about- Life does happen. <laughs> they're like, you're quarantined. You can't leave this. I was living in a studio oh. apartment in a basement. Mm. I couldn't leave. <laughs> couldn't go anywhere. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I just, I wasn't in a good space. Uh, and while some people write the most in those spaces, I just can't. Mm. Um, and especially in that instance, I was just sorting out so much. Right. Um, but then about seven months in, uh, a friend, uh, Sabrina Benham, told me about this workshop John Sands was doing. Um, I got into it and I was just like, oh, wait, I like writing. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is um, John's really great at like encouraging um, play in writing. And I would oh. forgotten, you know, that that was an aspect of it because, I mean, I came in through slam. Right. Um. And for me, you know, uh, I was always trying to have a new piece for Slam, at least one or two. Um, and I was working 40 hours a week and I was just like, it was just a grind. It was right. a, and the writing during the quarantine, like after I got over that initial seven months, um, yeah, it was just like. I really needed to be reminded that it didn't have to be a grind. Yeah. That this can be a thing you do because you enjoy it. Cause I had fully lost sight of that. Um, and this was also Revenge Body was also the first book I wrote that didn't involve slam. Right. Oh. You know, the other two yeah. collections were essentially my, you know, my my yeah. slam arsenals with other little poems sprinkled in. I've not slammed any of the poems in Revenge Body at well, any point. <laughs> so that so that brings up a question that I ask a lot of a lot of you know performance and slam poets uh, who also are page poets. Mm -hmm. um, how is your writing different when it's a piece you know you're going to be performing versus then Revenge Body, where it became just for you know so far just for the page? Is there a different mindset you have to have when you're looking at you know you know where your pauses are and and your presentation versus uh versus you know on the page piece not necessarily um because i mean i am i'm a performer it's you know i went to school for theater that was my first love so even if i haven't performed a poem out in public um reading it out loud hearing myself hearing how it you know how it sounds out loud is a big part of my editing process. Right. Um, so Are like, you... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. There's still, you know, um, the out those elements, like I still read it like I would perform it, but I just don't memorize. <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> I guess I can't. 
you know, I get, I get that. I've been, I've been playing music for 25 years mm-hmm. and I, at this point, I, anything new, I just, my iPad is my best friend. <laughs> right. Like I, exactly. I just can't memorize this anymore. <laughs> Memorizing is, yeah. Uh, I would do be you, hard pressed. <laughs> do you find this, um, so, uh, Joel Leon last year, I said when I talked with him about kind of page versus stage, mm-hmm. you know, he talked a lot about, um, you know, what you can, what he can, what he can and can't change inside a poem uh, mm-hmm. during a performance. Um, hmm. But I talked to some poets who are who are really, you know, really out there with changing lines depending oh, on absolutely. audience. Okay, mm-hmm. I was going to say so how when it comes to when it comes to a performance of a piece how honest uh do you stay to the piece itself i mean i stay pretty true to it but ultimately for me the poem as it appears in the book isn't a finished poem Hmm. it's a poem that i'm ready to share in that form okay um so i can change them in performance whenever i want because to me that's a different medium um I love that. I, I I love the fact that it's that it's, and not that it's a living document inside the book, but that that is that's the version right. that was that's the version that's in the book. Right. It's essentially a photo of where I felt good about that poem and knew I would read it to people. <laughs> I, that's that's a great. I mean, it really is a great way to think about it because we I talked with I, I did I talked to a lot of translators lately, mm-hmm. and we we talk about how excuse me how the translations of their piece of, that they write are essentially like cover songs mm-hmm. and how they kind of you know they're figuring out how do they stay true to both the piece but also make it their own um and what you know what direction they they can take it depends on does the word in you know this language feel the same in this language mm-hmm. and i think it's it sounds kind of like the same thing the performance yeah piece. it's sort of emotionally where am i um I mean, because you write these things at earlier dates and then maybe you have new information the next time you read it and then you're like, oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) So that's going to affect the way you read or perform it out loud. Um, It'd be really interesting to go back and track some of the earliest pieces you had and watch them over the years to see what lines you added or deleted depending (laughs) on how you were feeling that night. I mean, definitely I've looked over older poems um, in my other books and I've been like, I've never said that line on stage. <laughs> like either the rhythm just didn't, you know, or I memorized it without that line or something. Mm. But yeah, they're different. Um, one. So I, I've always been a fan of your work, um, as as have Courtney. Uh, so you know, the poetry question has always has always loved your work. Um, the last couple of years, though, uh, has found our kid. Uh, carrying around a copy of Nothing is Okay as kind of their, like, when they need to feel, you know, when they need something that feels like them, sounds like them. Oh, my you know, God. It It's become, you know, one of their, when I, I told them just before I was walking in this room that that you were, that you were the person today, <laughs> they they just lit up. I mean, it Aww. really, it, it really is a, as a book that has brought them a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, happiness when, when they needed it the most. That warms um, my heart. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the one of the things that I think you know people connect with your work because it is honest, and mm-hmm. you're not, you know, you're not shielding your feelings. Um, you know, be be them, you know, 
fact or fiction, you're not mm-hmm. shielding the feelings and emotions on the page. And I think right. people connect with that both on the stage, you know, especially on the stage where we can watch mm-hmm. you perform. There's, there's such a, such an incredible, you know, conversation that's happening between, mm-hmm. between reader or walk, you know, or spectator and you. And I think that's something that, you know, comes out, comes out a lot in performance poets, but comes mm-hmm. out when, you know, Button does a really good job and I, and I appreciate them as a press because they do a really good job of pulling the people who affect an audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they've, they've always done a great job of that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who were for you though, who are those couple of poets maybe, you know, along the years that you turned to when you needed somebody to read and somebody to kind of hold on to? I mean, without hesitation, uh, Rachel McKibbins. Mm. Um, you know, she's also become uh, my chosen big sister. Um, <laughs> the first time I ever saw her read, um, I think it was like 2009 or something. Um, my head exploded. I was just like, <laughs> she and her work granted me a lot of permission that I didn't know I was waiting for. Um, and so like, yeah, she was she was absolutely instrumental in that. Um, and then also Kristen O'Keefe afterwards. Ah. Uh, just because, I mean, I, I, I I'm a funny at, person. And Kristen. I know, I'm staring at an entire <laughs> shelf of, of their work right now. So, yes, absolutely. Um, so I was just enamored by her because there weren't a lot of um, people who did majority funny, like not women who did majority funny work. I've got a, I've got um, a quick I've got a quick funny story about about her. Uh, so I I I've taught for a million years, and about ten years ago, I did a book a poetry book buying spree for my classroom. Nice. But I happened to find a, a like a, a signed copy of Hot Teen Slut at Powell. Mm-hmm. Wow! Um, and it made its way onto that order, and the receipt with the names of the books had to go through my school district. Oh, <laughs> So I had to, I had to justify, I had to, I had to figure out a way to say, no, this was an accidental buy, but they definitely did not understand that that was a poetry book. <laughs> I think mean, Kristen would find that hilarious. And if they ever talked to Kristen, they would be like, wait, you wrote a book called Hot Teen Slut. Like, um, she just gives like, you know, she gives classroom friendly, like in <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i don't think anybody would see that coming <laughs> amazing um so now that revenge body is is out in the world mm-hmm. uh, what is next for you what what is what is coming up in the world of rachel wiley for for all um, of us out there well i'm working on two different manuscripts right now all right um one is like I don't know a lot more fun and I need it to sort of balance out the heaviness of the other manuscripts <laughs> um it will be coming out on button we've already cool. discussed it um it's gonna be a little different it's gonna be um it's gonna be like a fat take on fashion and body All liberation right. um it's gonna focus a lot on that if there ever um, was a time or a need for that <laughs> this is the this is the space for it Exactly. Um, I feel there's the need. Um, I want to see it. Um, I'm going to be working with some artists. Uh, there's going to be illustrations and visuals. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm really excited about that project. Um, 
I'm also excited about the other manuscript, but it's a lot harder. It's about the abusive relationship previously mentioned. Um, it's about the isolation of um, quarantining um, alone. Um, things like that. Uh, the death of my father over the last year, uh, year or so. So just some harder stuff. Right. So just um, slightly different between the two. Yeah, just a little. Just a little. I could definitely I could definitely understand needing to write, you know, write right. I was like, I just working need on the other. Them to, yeah. So that's happening. Um I don't know if she's gonna get mad at me for saying this, but Rachel McKibbins and I are plotting a tour. Uh we're accepting bookings. We're called the Rachiarchy. So, you know, if anybody's listening and wants to book us, <laughs> we're open for bookings. Ooh, uh, well, uh I assume there's gotta be a Portland date in there somewhere. If somebody in Portland books us, we're coming. That's sort of how it works right now. We haven't um booked anything yet. Um, we're working on our graphics so um cool. to announce the the tour that we're booking. Um, but oh, yeah, that... we've been talking about going on tour together for years. I'm finally at a place in my life where we can do it. So cool. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. Oh, Probably well, that's the most be... exciting thing. That's going to be absolutely incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and then kind of as we wrap things up, who are the poets out there right now that we should be listening to or reading? Who are, who are you seeing and hearing right now that, that we should also be uh, racing toward? Oh man. Um, what is this book? I just finished. Let me grab it. Um, I mean, she's not like new or young or anything, but like, um, how do I say her last name? Sandra Cisneros. Yeah. Oh yes. And yeah. She was, so she just had um, a collection drop. Yes, she did. She was on, she was on here a, a few months ago. Oh, you talked um, to her. She's oh, she's, she's, I, I had to, I had to have, uh, have Courtney calm me down before that one because I have, <laughs> I, I have, I a, lost lower, my well, I have a whole lower leg and foot tattoo, like designated for certain Sandra Cisneros pieces. Wow. So, like for, it was, it was one of the most epic just I just wow yeah it was yeah. it was a, a nerding out to a whole different level yeah I don't think I could handle it <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm obsessed with her um that book I bought the book um right before I turned 40 this year and I read it like the day before my birthday and I was just like uh, the way she talks about aging and how it's beautiful and wonderful and I was just like yes well, she she talked on there about the uh, the poet uh, the, the publisher turned down her original the original cover was a nude. <gasps> I did not. Um, and the publisher said no. Um, wow. And her her hope was that this book because before it was even as soon as it was announced it had been banned. I believe she said in nineteen countries already. Wow. And to have that effect on on the right world, for people to be that scared of you. Yeah. <laughs> that means you're doing something right. Unreal. Um, I also picked up uh, Laura Lamb Brown Lavoy has a book called Club Desire. And because it's Laura B Lamb Brown Lavoy, um, you have to like find the link somewhere <laughs> to buy this book. And she just mails it to you from her farm. Like, <laughs> <Wait. laughs> um, she's an incredible poet that used to slam, um, was on Team Providence um with that team was bonkers that year it was uh Jamila Woods Franny Choi Phil Kay and Laura Lamb Brown Lavoy <laughs> we went up against them in finals it was 
<laughs> I didn't care that we lost, that we took four. I was like, these poems were ridiculous. That's this amazing. Amazing. Um, but her work, like, I don't think I've ever read anyone who can stick a landing mm. with the precision. Like, and her poems are usually very, like, nature-centered. Um, and that isn't often my thing, but the way right. she writes about it, um, it's relatable in a way. And I'm like, mm. I barely keep my houseplants alive, but, like girl you are you are giving <laughs> so um yeah that's what I've been reading recently and um yeah I definitely recommend them both highly that's fantastic thank you so much for hanging out with me on TPQ20 today this was an honor and a pleasure to talk with you I'm so glad we finally got it done. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, and we, tell you know, your kid I said hi. I, don't I know. absolutely <laughs> will. And, uh, and we, you know, look forward to the hopeful Northwest portion of uh, the, uh, you know, the, the tour. Absolutely. I would love to get out there. I've never actually been to Portland. It is on my ah, list. So Awesome. Well, hopefully would, we can make that happen. For sure. Cool. Yeah. If you know anybody booking out there. I will. I'll definitely be putting <laughs> in the word. Now, that's for sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward to coming to seeing whatever comes next from you as always. Uh, have a great rest of the night. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.